of local Christian music. Amplify podcast. Make loud his praise. Hi, Amplify family. Welcome to Amplify Interview. And last week, we had an awesome privilege to have a phone call interview with Leland. And as some of you remember, Leland was here in February this year for a worship concert that was organized by Assembly Asia. And special, special thanks to Assembly Asia for getting us this awesome privilege to interview Leland together with the guys from Thirst and CD Radio. And this is a three-part series interview where Leland will be sharing with us about his journey, his faith, as well as his newly released live worship album called Better Word. So I know you will be greatly blessed by this interview. So just sit back and be blessed. Okay, uh, just a follow up to since what you have shared, uh, being go and wait upon the Lord. You know, there are the spontaneous moments in the album. How important is spontaneous worship to you in worship? Sure. Um, you know, the Bible says that um, the Bible says that there are songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. So that so there are songs that are like contemporary songs that are the songs of our generation that our generation is writing, which those songs are important because they're songs that speak into all of the issues that we're facing as a generation. So when if anyone from our generation writes a song, it's very important to the body of Christ because it's speaking about what's happening in our culture and our time and God cares about generations. So you're born not by accident. You're born to be alive in this generation with a specific purpose that God has for this generation and you play a very important role. So so the contemporary songs are important. Hymns are really important like older songs whether it's it's a song from from any kind of songs from a previous generation is very important because when we sing these old hymns, it's reminding us that God is generational, that God never changes, but he's always doing a new thing. So there's two scriptures. There's one that says that God is the ancient of days and he never changes. There's another scripture that God says in Isaiah, behold, I do a new thing. And so, and it also says that his kingdom endures from generation to generation. So we also can't forget the old songs. We have to sing the songs of previous generations because and, and interweave those in because it reminds us of the heritage of our faith and what God's done, the, the heroes in our faith that have gone before us, that we're not doing this alone and that your life is important. And, and it reminds, when I sing an old hymn, it reminds me that your life can impact generations to come. So when we're singing an old hymn, we're actually singing a song that somebody wrote hundreds of years ago that had no clue that we would be getting ministered to now by it. And so that's what's powerful about singing older songs. But then there's the spiritual song and or what we would call now like a spontaneous song. And a spiritual song, the Bible says that God, uh, that, that there's a groaning in us that's too deep for words. So sometimes it, it can be literally, oh, it can be an ah, it can be, you can sing holy, you can sing worthy. All the spiritual song is, is just a natural overflow of the cry of your heart. Now, here's, this is the trickiest part about it, okay? Because there's, you know, know, as humans, we have a tendency to take something that's really good and we we can swing the pendulum so far the other way that we can, anything can be, anything can, can be perverted and distorted. So, 
if if we're not grounded in God, we're not grounded in the Word of God, and we're not grounded in intimacy with Jesus, and it's just sort of coming from a weird place, we can we can mess up anything as humans because we're human. So I think one of the things about the spiritual song that's really important is to make sure that worship leaders um, and people who are involved in that position at churches, um, to make sure that they're meditating on and drenching their mind in the Word of God. So it's really important that our minds as worship leaders are and our and our imagination and creativity is married to the Word of God. So it's and the Word of God is just the way God thinks. So it's God's thoughts on paper, and the Holy Spirit takes God's thoughts on paper and He writes them on the tablet of our heart in in the secret place. And we meditate on the Word of God, which is let's say I'm meditating on Scripture that talks about the promises of God for my future, or healing for my body, or all that's happening when we do that with the Holy Spirit is he's taking that word or God's thought on paper and he's making it your thought. So he's marrying your imagination with his thoughts. And the reason that's important is so when you get out to sing as, uh, as a worship leader a spontaneous song, it's not just coming from your emotions. And emotions are important, but it's not that emotions by themselves don't heal people. And the word of God is important. But the Word of God, without the Spirit moving in somebody's heart, is it 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 just it's it's a um, logos word, but it's not rhema. It doesn't it doesn't make us alive until the Spirit breathes on the Word. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, God says, if you will repent and turn to me, I will pour out my Spirit upon you and make my words known to you. So the Holy Spirit has to activate the Word of God and make it alive in our heart, um, and so. That's, that's what I think is important about the spontaneous song is that it sings, but when it's married with the Word of God, when, when the language of the Word of God is the language of your thought life, then the Holy Spirit can trust us to sing spontaneous songs because they're not just going to be emotional, but they are, they're always going to point to an answer. And so like David in the Psalms, he was very honest with God about his problems, but he didn't just stay there. He, he said, you know, I cover my bed in tears. Um, my enemies want to rip me apart like lions. You know, he was very brutal and very honest, but he would never stop there. There was always some kind of, there was always some kind of hopeful, uplifting part to his song where he said, but I will worship the Lord, but the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous men who are saved. He would always talk about his hope. And so I think that's the most important thing about spontaneous music is to make sure that that there's hope in our spontaneous song, and it's not just an emotional um, out overflow of my soul that's devoid of the Word of God. We have to make sure that our, our heart is married with the Word of God. Then we can sing those spiritual songs, and it will actually edify a whole room. Okay, so um, what about, like, Waymaker? You know, like, why did you guys decide to make a rendition of this song and weave it into your album? Yeah. So, okay. So this is really cool. So my, my mom showed me that song. So my parents are pastors of our, of our home church in Houston, Texas. And, uh, my parents are also worship leaders. So we grew up watching them lead worship when we were kids. And so they still lead. My dad will still play from time to time at church. My mom will still lead and sing. And so she, they're both very involved in the music at our church. So we're constantly looking for new songs. My mom was on Facebook and this was like two years ago. And my mom was watching a video of a worship leader from Nigeria named Sinach and singing mm-hmm. her song live, Waymaker. And she sent me this video on Facebook. And immediately, 
our whole family uh, grabbed onto the song. And so we started singing it actually at my home church here in Houston, Texas for the next like year um, in our local church. And our church has about 400 people. So it's a family sized church. And, but that song changed our church. It did. It opened up something in our church. It was like, it was, it was, you know, it was like the very first time we started singing how he loves us in our church. Mm. It did something really special. The same thing happened when we sang Waymaker. It didn't matter. And we have people from all different streams of life. We have guys that are blue-collar workers that work at chemical plants. We have uh, people that come from an African-American background, people that come from a, a Spanish-speaking background. It didn't matter. Everyone was connecting to the song. And so then our band, the Leland Band, went out on the road. We were traveling a lot that year, and we started doing it out on the road um, just because um, it, wherever we would sing it, and we go to every denomination, you know, our band, we, we go to Baptist churches and Methodist churches and Assemblies of God churches and Spirit-filled and conservative, and it doesn't matter. We go to them all. And every church that we went to, um, we would sing the song. And it didn't matter what stream of the church we are in, everyone would sing it. Everyone would latch on to the song. And because there's something powerful about singing, um, and basically when you're singing that chorus, you're basically singing the name of God, all the different names of God. Um, and when you sing the name of God, you're singing hope over your life and your, in your city and your family. So you can sing that song over your family, over your children, over your future, over your body, over, you know, whatever you're facing. And so it just brings hope in the room. And, um, so when we decided to make the album, we wanted to include a few songs in the album that were from other nations of the world. And one of those songs was Waymaker. And we actually tried to get, um, we almost had Sinatch come and sing on it live with us. Wow. Uh, but she wasn't able to make it because of visa issues trying to get into the States. So there were some complications there, but we still sang the song anyways because we really loved the song. And it, it just, it was a powerful moment. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, maybe you can share with us on the song Better Word. Um, what's the revelation you, you got behind the song? Yeah, so it says it says in Hebrews that, and it's one of my favorite scriptures, it says in Hebrews that um, it talks about the blood of, um, of Abel. So when Cain killed his brother Abel, the Bible says that, that Abel's blood cried out to God from the earth, from the ground, basically testifying against Cain that, that he was a murderer and that reminding, basically his bro own blo uh, brother's blood was reminding Cain that he was a murderer. And the Bible says, Paul said, but the blood of Jesus, which is the blood of the Lamb of God, um, his blood speaks a better word about us. It says that Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies as the high priest and, and intercedes for us before God. It also, also one of my other favorite scriptures says that uh, he said, conduct yourselves with fear and trembling before the Lord, knowing that you are ransomed by the sinful ways of your forefathers, not by perishable things like silver and gold, but by the imperishable blood of the, of the Lamb of God, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. So what that means is, is, is he was saying that you've actually been, it doesn't matter what kind of family line you've come from. It doesn't matter what your bloodline is. It doesn't matter, um, you know, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the sins of one generation can visit the next generation three, three generations down. Well, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from those things. 
So your family line might have dealt with depression. And, and maybe, maybe you might be predisposed to depression. But in Jesus, now that the blood of Jesus covers your life, you are, you are not destined to be depressed for the rest of your life. And you're not destined to deal with that. You are actually set free from that. And you're now identified not by your family's bloodline, but by the bloodline of the Lamb of God, Jesus. So basically, the blood of Jesus redeems all of the good things that God's done in your family. And, and it sets you free from all, of the, from all of the bondages in your family line. So, um, and, and that's really important because some people come from, from very traumatic, terrible backgrounds. They, maybe, maybe they grew up and their, their parents were alcoholics. Maybe they grew up in, in a drug-addicted home where their parents dealt with drug addiction. Or maybe they, maybe they were told by their parents that they weren't good enough or they, they won't amount to anything. People come into church with all sorts of things from their past. And, and we need to know that the beautiful truth of the gospel, that not only are we saved and going to heaven, but right now we are the righteousness of God in Christ. No matter what our, our past is, no matter what we've done, Jesus says, if you come to me, he will not by no means forsake anyone. He receives everyone. And so if, if you just believe in Jesus, you don't have to fix yourself. If you believe in Jesus then his blood, his righteousness, is, it now rests on you, and you become the righteous of God, and by his supernatural grace and his goodness, he leads us into change and transformation. So that's, that's the power of the gospel. It is a transforming gospel. It doesn't mean that, that we never change or that, we, or, that we, or that we're always forgiven, that we're forgiven of our sin and we never actually change. That's not what that, that scripture is saying. It's saying that when we understand the free gift of the grace of God and then the, then the blood of Jesus cleanses us of our unrighteousness and now the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, comes and lives on the inside of us. And by his grace or his goodness, he starts to actually transform and change our life, change the whole way we live. So we don't stay the same, but day by day we're being saved and being transformed and changed. So, um, but that's a really important part of the gospel that I think um, I, I don't sing about enough. And so we were thinking about that. We were going into the album and, and it was getting near the end of the album. And there was a song that I'd written with some friends that the tag of the song talked about that scripture. And I was like, man, my favorite part of the song is the tag. I, I feel like it needs to be its own song. It needs to be its, a whole song dedicated to the idea that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word. So we, re, we rewrote Ooh. a whole new song about that one idea and the Holy Spirit just filled the room and, and God, God met us right there and, and gave us that song. So it was, it was special. Wow. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, Leland, when you were a young believer, um, I understand, you know, you have been traveling extensively doing ministry with your family uh, since you were very young. So when you were, when you were a young believer, what advice would you have appreciated to have received and why? Yes, I think probably one of the one of the biggest things that I would have um, that I wish I I you know in one way I don't want I don't want to live in regret but one thing that I that I wish um, I would have understood maybe a little bit earlier was was the power of was was the power of meditating on the Word of God with the Holy Spirit and its life changing power and its life changing work. Because the Bible says that 
uh, as a man thinketh, so he is. So as you think, so you are. If you, if you meditate or think on something long enough, that thought changes your emotions. It creates an emotional reaction in you. And that emotional reaction can, can actually lead to physical action or a decision to be made. But everything starts in our thought life. And so Paul even said, he said, I take every thought captive under the authority of Christ. And that, that the word of God actually can cleanse us and renew our mind. And so I, <clears throat> I had heard about meditating on the word of God, but I didn't really understand what that meant for a long time. I guess I sort of thought it was, you know, crossing my legs and you know, humming, like I didn't know what meditation meant. I'd only, I'd only ever heard meditating in like yoga. So I, I didn't know what that was um, until someone said something really powerful. He said, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Um, worrying is the opposite of meditating on the word of God. When I worry about a situation, what I'm doing is I'm using my imagination and I'm actually marrying my imagination to fear. And I'm, and I'm actually imagining every terrible outcome of the situation. That's what worrying is. And the opposite is true in the kingdom of God. When you're meditating on the word of God, you're actually asking the Holy Spirit to help marry your imagination and creativity to the promise of God for your life. So let's take a scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope. So let's say you're dealing with a big issue and you don't know which way to turn. You're at like a crossroads in your life. Well, you could really worry about the crossroads and maybe you just got let go from your job and you could, you could worry all night about, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to be poor. I'm going to get, I'm, they're going to take my home away. They're going to take my car away. And what happens is that's what worrying is. You start meditating on that long enough and it becomes fear. Well, the opposite is true in the kingdom of God. I invite the Holy Spirit in and I say, Holy Spirit, I know I just lost my job, but I know that your, your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you know the thoughts you have for me, plans to give me a future, plans to give me a hope, plans that I would prosper, not that I would fail, that I would have a future and a hope, not that I would, that I would perish. God, you love me. You so love me that you sent your son to the world to save me, not to condemn me, but to set me free, to save me. So you start singing and saying the word of God over your life and the Holy Spirit starts to starts to fill you with faith and that faith starts to become the atmosphere of your life and 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 hope and faith start to rise in your life because of the love of God so that's something that I feel I, I wish I would have understood earlier but I'm understanding the power of it and you know what the amazing thing about it is is that as soon as you make a, a heavenly habit or a practice of meditating on the Word of God in all four of your contemplative areas of your day, when you lie down at night, when you wake up in the morning, when you're seated somewhere with nothing to do, and when you're traveling on the road from point A to point B, all of our days have those moments in them. But those are the deep thinking parts of our day. If you can fill those moments of your day with meditating on the Word of God with the Holy Spirit, and you ask the Holy Spirit, who's the Spirit of Truth, to come in and and and, and and teach you how to meditate on his word, then it actually starts to change the way that you think about life and about yourself, and it changes the way you live. So that's something that's really powerful. And, and so I think 
in those moments of the presence of God, when we feel God's presence come in a room and worship or with people or by ourselves, and we feel like we want to weep or we want to cry and we feel God's presence tangibly, those moments aren't there just so that we can feel God. But really what's happening is, is God's already been there, but the Holy Spirit is like breaking off the hardness of our heart and making our heart soft and tender. That might be like why you want to weep or why you want to cry or want to sing or why you want to jump and dance is because something's happening on the inside. The Holy Spirit's softening your heart. And the reason he softens our heart is so that in that atmosphere of prayer, the word of God, which is the word of the kingdom, Jesus said, like a seed can drop into your heart or into your mind and grow the kingdom of God in you. So when you meditate on the word of God at night, you're sowing seeds for the morning when you wake up. So that when you wake up, you wake up in faith. And when you meditate on the word of God in the morning, you're sowing seeds for the lunchtime. So that when you're sitting around with nothing to do on your lunch break at work, you're, you're already in a positive and hopeful attitude about your day. When you meditate on the word in the, in the, in the afternoon, you're sowing seeds for the nighttime and the midnight hour. When, when your thoughts usually spin out of control, now they're being, you, you have a tendency towards thinking the way God thinks. And you're sowing seeds into each chapter of your day, and you'll reap a harvest if you keep doing it. And so it changes the way that you think, which changes the way that you live. So that's probably the most powerful thing that I was um, I would have known a little earlier. But praise God, God's revealing it now, and He's changing He's changing my life. Wow, amazing! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. You're listening to the home of local Christian music, Amplify Podcast. Make loud his praise.